0: You're listening to the Psalms for Sojourners podcast, in which we look at the Psalms as prayers for God's people on every occasion. We hope it's a blessing to you. Hi, and thanks for listening to another episode of Psalms for Sojourners. I'm Cole Kirby, a pastor at Sojourn Montrose, and typically I'm the host of this podcast. However, in this week's episode, we did something a little different, and that is I invited Reed Squires, who's also a pastor at Sojourn Montrose, uh, to come on and be the host um, and ask me some questions about a book I recently read by Dietrich Bonhoeffer about the Psalms. Um, I thought that the book was extremely helpful in, in kind of shaping um, my ongoing growth of understanding how the Psalms uh, inform my personal prayer and the prayer of the church and also just where they fit in the Bible. And so I couldn't recommend that book enough uh, for you. And And I hope that this conversation about uh, Bonhoeffer's work on the Psalms is beneficial to you and that it will inspire you uh, to pick up a copy of that book uh, wherever it is that you buy uh, books. I, I know that, that a, a lot of times a book recommendation can be a, a little overwhelming uh, as people read these lofty volumes or, or a really um, long and dense read and then recommend it to you. I know that happens to me a lot as a pastor and, and there just doesn't seem like enough time, but the beauty of Bonhoeffer's book is that it's only about 80 pages long and it's about the size of something I could fit in a coat pocket. And so, um, It took me three times of sitting down for about 30 minutes at a time to read, and so it was just a a really beautiful, um, well-written, and helpful resource on the Psalms, and I'm sure that I will continue to reference it. Anyways, here's that conversation where Reed is interviewing me. Um, I hope it is helpful to you. Thanks.
1: Hey guys, thank you for joining us for another edition of um, Psalms for Sojourners. I am Reed Squires, one of the pastors at Sojourn Montrose, and I get the opportunity um, this week to sit down as interviewer and host and spend some time with Cole Kirby, our pastor of teaching and equipping, um, to talk a little bit about what he is learning um, as far as, as the Psalms go by studying some other folks, some other scholars who have studied the Psalms and applied them. Um, so, many of you know Cole. Cole has been hosting this podcast for a couple of weeks now, Um, and it's been such a blessing to me, um, and my family, and I hope to you as well. Um, Cole, tell us a little bit about, um, how, how things have been going in the Kirby house for the last couple of weeks. You guys have a foster child with you. Um, and, um, and you've been really spearheading this Psalms thing week after week after week. So tell us a little bit about how you're doing, how you guys are doing. Um, and, and yeah, just how the Psalms are going.
0: Yeah. Well, thanks for asking. Um. Yeah, the the Kirby house is much different than it was a month and a half ago, a little over five weeks, I guess. Um, My wife and I received a foster placement. Um, uh, He was a 10-month-old boy when we got him, and now he is seven weeks or something like that, seven or eight weeks, getting close to eight. Um, And it's been a wild ride. Um, It's our second foster placements for those of you who are less familiar Uh, but Mm -hmm. our first one was really peculiar in that it was only 48 hours and so we didn't really have that long to experience kind of the fullness of the foster care system or really the fullness of day in day out parenting um but you know we went from you know not having any children or expecting children to having a newborn. And so life's been turned upside down. Um, but it's been great and we are really blessed to have a little baby boy who's healthy and happy. Um, and his case seems to be going well in as much as it seems that, um, the people responsible for advocating for him are doing so well. Um, and, and seeking his best interests. Um, and so it's been a blessing. Uh, it's been a, a huge blessing how supportive um, our friends and family have been, and particularly the people at Sojourn Montrose. Um, and now we're just trying to get into the swing of, of what does it look like in a pandemic where we're working from home and we have a newborn and we're, we're trading off who's taking care of the baby and who's trying to get work done, uh, which I know you and Micah, uh, know that routine yeah. well. Um, and so it's a learning experience and, uh, 40 hour weeks aren't happening. Um, but the hours that we get to focus, I feel like are more productive than they used to be just cause they have to be. Um, but we're also just really enjoying having the little guy with us.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. And I mean, I think one of the ways, the, the less maybe physically tangible, but one of the felt ways that you've been supported is through prayer. I mean, and that's largely what we're going to talk about today. And I'm sure in your household prayers have been more abundant and maybe more brief, but, um, but more abundant in the, in the middle of the nights and the early yeah. mornings and things like that. Um, at least that's been my experience. And I think a lot of our experiences in the pandemic where, um, prayer has maybe changed and kind of evolved for a lot of us at Sojourn Montrose and in the church. Um so yeah, thanks for sharing a little bit about what's going on with you guys. Um and for context, Cole was recently telling me um just tonight about a a book he read. Um and that even just saying that makes it sound even more lofty than it probably was because it's such a short (laughs) book. Um but the book is called Psalms uh by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. So Cole, tell us a little bit about um, you know, the 32nd. I've never heard of Dietrich Bonhoeffer in my life. Who is he? Why does he matter? And then give us kind of the how you how you picked up the Psalms book, um, if it's not apparent.
0: Yeah, um, well, if if you're listening and you don't know the name Dietrich Bonhoeffer, um, I can I can briefly explain who that is, but I would encourage you to Wikipedia it and and read a little bit more. But Dietrich Bonhoeffer um, was a a Christian pastor and theologian and writer. Um, in the 20s, 30s, and 40s, um, he's a German-born uh, Christian and spent some time in the States, but um, eventually ended up in prison camp in Nazi Germany um, for his uh, opposition uh, to Nazi Germany. He was also linked to um, a plot to assassinate Adolf Hitler. Um, and so he's just a, a very interesting figure in the history of the church Um, but he's also very well written. A lot of people have read his book Life Together on Christian Community. Um, He's written a lot of other books, but I had um, the opportunity to read through his little tiny book on the Psalms over the last week or so. And when I say that, really it was, I sat down two or three times and read the book. Um, It's a tiny little book you could almost fit in your pocket, less than 80 pages long. Um, And so if you're listening and you want a really helpful resource on the Psalms, I can't recommend it enough. Um, Bonhoeffer has a really um, just well-developed view, not only of of what the Psalms role are in the Bible, um, but Mm -hmm. how they ought to inform our prayer and I, I found this book to be extremely helpful, and I was introduced to it through a quote that was shared actually on this podcast by Drew Knowles. Um, and the, the quote is is from this book, and he's, Bonhoeffer writes, wherever the Psalter is abandoned, an incomparable treasure vanishes from the Christian church, hmm. and with its recovery will come unsuspected power. And that's kind of oh, I the re- theme. I remember that quote. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of the theme of what he's he's getting at is that in the Psalter, we have this great resource in teaching us how to pray and giving us insight into the person of Jesus. Um, and so I found it really helpful.
1: Yeah. And I want to drill down into the phrase you just men- mentioned, teaching us how to pray. And I think this is a, uh, and you and I were just talking about this, this is a um, a complex and kind of forgotten discipline in, in the American church. And I, I say that Maybe anecdotally, because that's my experience, where I kind of grew up learning that um, that if you want something from God, pray for it, um, and if you're really sick or scared, then pray. Um, and those aren't bad things to that; those aren't bad times to pray, but they're they're only scratching the surface of really what what God wants us to pray for. Um, so, you mentioned teaching and learning to pray. Talk about um, what it means to learn to pray and how this book kind of plays into that.
0: Yeah. Um, well, first I think for me that, that concept, you know, similar to, to kind of what you expressed growing up in, in the church and around Christians, um, I was given a very broad kind of definition of what prayer was. And it's just anytime you talk to God and you can talk to him about anything, which like we know is true. In fact, the Psalms show us that that's true. Um, But the concept of learning to pray um, is interesting, and I think a lot of maybe new Christians or non-Christians would hear that and think that, that when we say you need to learn to pray that that we're talking about learning kind of the christian ease, like the specific language that you're supposed to speak in prayer. Mm. You're supposed to say, Lord, after every two or three words. Maybe you're supposed to be humming every now and then, or like there's maybe this exalted sort of old English that you need to <laughs> pray well. And, and that's not at all what Bonhoeffer's talking about when he talks about learning to pray. And he talks about this beginning in his – kind of at the beginning of his book – and he points out the occasion in Matthew chapter six, where the deci- disciples come to Jesus and they say, Lord, teach us to pray, which, which reveals something about them. And it's that they didn't know how, yeah. right? That they needed to be taught how to pray, or maybe they ha- knew somewhat something about prayer, but they needed more instruction on how to really pray. And then Jesus responds with a prayer that almost everybody in the Western world knows the Lord's prayer. And, and I was taught the Lord's prayer as a, as a little child, as a way to pray. Um, and, And so, so Jesus hears his disciples asking how to pray and he responds by teaching them. And Bonhoeffer talks about the relationship between the Lord's prayer and all other prayers in the bible and most notably the psalms which is the only book in the bible which is exclusively made up of prayers um, and and he says playing off of something martin luther wrote hundreds of years before that that all of the prayers in the bible are summed up in the lord's prayer yeah. and in a way that's wow. helpful for me to think about that is is many of us are familiar with Jesus summing up the law by saying, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. For this is the law and the prophets. right? Right. So Jesus condenses the entire teaching of the law into love God and love your neighbor. And he does that with prayer, with the Lord's prayer. But what we know about the law is that loving God and loving our neighbor takes place in in so many different areas of our life and in so many different ways. right? It's it's not that it's an insufficient teaching, but it's not a detailed teaching. And so the Lord's Prayer is not an insufficient teaching, but it's not detailed. And what we have in the Psalms are a detailed plethora of prayers from which we can learn how to pray.
1: Yeah. Man, that's super rich. Um, Yeah, because it's almost like you know, Jesus could have just said in the moment, just read the Psalms. Yeah. Um, And he does kind of later, uh, I think in the road to Emmaus, when he kind of explains how all of the old Testament laws, prophets, Psalms, poetry, everything pertains to him. Um, So he kind of says that later, but, but in the moment he just, he gives a summation prayer. This is how every, this is, these are the themes of every prayer, Um, needs being met, worship, um, Etc. Sin forgiven, um, yeah, super beautiful. And, and we were just talking about too cold. This idea that um, you almost get this I, this sense on the timeline that before Jesus, there's these cultural complexities. There's the law. There's all this uh, detail on the Psalms. There's ca- character studies. There's prophecy, um, and it all kind of swells up. And then in the life of Jesus, we get this peak of simplicity. This um, here's the very simple truth to all of this. Um, and really it's just, I'm God. (laughs) Um, but, but here's what this means in this circumstance. Here's what, here's what love your neighbor means. Here's what love God means. Here's how it is here, what it means to pray. Here's what I've come to do, not abolish, but fulfill. And then the new rest of the new Testament goes on to, to figure out the complexity, um, in the context of, of life after Jesus. And so I think that's where we even find ourselves now of needing to look back to Jesus's and what you're saying is, and what Bonhoeffer is really arguing is the key to really understanding the simplicity is to look at what it was, uh, what, it, what was it a summation of? The Old Testament, the Psalms. Yeah. Um, so it's this super helpful um, lens which, which, with which we can kind of view the work and life of Jesus is to look back at what he was explaining and talking about.
0: Yeah, I, I, think, that's, I think that's right. There's this, in Jesus... It's not just that there's a simplicity to Jesus, but at the same time, there's an overwhelming complexity where right. all, of, all of the things that we see in the Old Testament, from the garden to exile, from slavery in Egypt to freedom at Passover and crossing the Red Sea and all of these things, the prayers in the Old Testament, the prophecy in the Old Testament, they are all leave us wanting, right? There's mm-hmm. there's something yet unfulfilled about them. Uh, there's something that feels missing, and in Jesus we find this beautiful fulfillment of all of these narrative arcs of all of these characters who seemed great but then turned out to fail. All of these prayers that were desiring something more, and they find their fulfillment in Jesus, and, and they find their summation in Jesus, and. And now we have the opportunity to view the world in light of how Jesus has given us a lens to view what happened before Him, and to open up what happens after Him. And so, yeah. so a way that that works in prayer is in the Psalms. There, are an example that that Bonhoeffer points to in the Psalms. There are all these callings toward the Messiah, the future king who would, who would come and establish Zion and, and grant liberty to the people of God. And, and in Jesus, we have that future king. And, and another thing that he says that I think is really interesting, and it, it goes along with this idea in the Old Testament where things just seem like they're left wanting. Um, he argues that, that apart from Jesus— And apart from relationship with Jesus, we can't pray at all. It's only because Jesus has prayed on our behalf that he's reconciled us to God through his death and resurrection. um, And that he's fulfilled all of the things that we would pray for in a right spirit that we Mm -hmm. can even pray. And the Psalms are not only the prayers of God's people before Jesus, but they're the prayers of Jesus. And so when we pray them... We pray with Jesus. A way that he talks about it, he says, we must learn to pray. The child learns to speak because his father speaks to him. He Mm -hmm. learns the speech of his father. So we learn to speak because God has spoken to us and he speaks to us. By means of the speech of the father in heaven, his children learn to speak with him. Repeating God's own words after him, we begin to pray with him. We ought to speak to God as he wants to hear from us, not in the false and confused speech of our heart, but in the clear and pure speech which God has spoken to us in Christ. And so what what he's getting at is is similar to your understanding of prayer as a kid, right? Like if I want something or if I'm afraid of something, then I'll pray. Um, And in some ways that's good, right? And we see Mm -hmm. versions of that in the Psalms even. But, but if we go to God with, with the, the corrupt desires of our hearts and we pray those things, it's, it's not, it's not helpful and it's not pleasing. God is not going mm. to respond to those prayers in the ways that we want because they're totally out of line with him and his kingdom. Right. And so th- that's where the Psalms are so helpful is that, is that as we pray them, our minds and our hearts are being shaped to pray the things that Christ wants us to pray. And so we learn how to pray when we're angry from the Psalms. Because there's a way to pray when we're angry, and then there's a way that's less holy to pray when right. we're angry. Right. And we learn how to pray when we're depressed, and we learn how to pray when people are attacking us, and we learn how to pray when things are going well, and we learn how to pray when we want God to bless us. Um, because none of those things are bad, but we need to learn how to pray. He says, the richness of the word of God ought to determine our prayer, not the poverty of our own hearts. And I think that's so beautiful and so challenging, um, because I often start praying without even thinking. Um, and I, I think there's something relationally there that's good where I can come to God with anything as my father, um, but what if I took time to consider my situation in light of how he's revealed himself to me and prayed to him the way that he's taught me to? How much more beneficial would that be in my own life?
1: Well, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's super rich. And this idea that, um, that he gives us, he gives us the words to do this. Um, he gives us the words to pray and that, praying prayers praying psalms that might not even apply to us in the moment um, is still worthwhile and shapes us so talk a little bit about a little bit excuse me about that um, because I, I want to leave us like the last question I really have is this question of okay practically as as sojourn Montrose members in in kind of a a Western context in this neighborhood. Um, how can we learn to pray? How do we learn to pray? Um, and I think what Bonhoeffer is suggesting is, well, we read, we we read and pray the Psalms, but but a lot of times we're reading and praying Psalms that don't apply to our current situation. So talk about that um, and how those Psalms shape us.
0: Yeah, I I think if we pray the Psalms, um, especially the way that we're doing it at Sojourn. Um, which um, you may or may not care, is exactly the way that Bonhoeffer would encourage us to do, which is to pray through them in order, Um, not based on what we want to pray, um, not based on the Psalms that we're most familiar with, but just to pray through them in order. He even recommends um, that the Christian pray through at least three Psalms a day, and so when we're done praying through one psalm a day at Sojourn, it's my goal to take that on kind of next year, as, at least as a personal discipline. Yeah. And he kind of answers the looming question about, well, what do I do when the psalm that I'm reading and praying seems like it doesn't apply to my life or my situation at all? Which is often the case when I pray the psalms. Like There's all these psalms sure. about David being pursued by men who want to kill him. Like that's not my life. I don't have men wanting to kill me. If I do, I don't know about it, um, <laughs> and so I'm not praying about it. Um, but, but what he says is is one we should pray the Psalms in order, because then we're we're trusting that the Lord is going to have us pray things that He wants us to pray, rather than us simply praying the things that we want to pray, which I think is beautiful because. Obviously, when we're praying through the psalms, we're not limited to only praying that psalm. We can also pray for any number of things that we're experiencing in our life. But to discipline ourselves to pray through the psalms in order is helpful. One, because he argues that all of the psalms are the psalms of Jesus. They speak about him and they speak from his voice. Like Hmm. he prayed those psalms. And so that makes them good. And so we can meditate on them in light of, of Jesus. Um, you know, David being pursued by men who want to kill him is one thing, but then when we think, oh, that's a prayer of Jesus as he's in Gethsemane waiting for men to show up to arrest him so that they might kill him, it, it gives me chills, and it's a, it's a whole other thing. Um, but they're also, the Psalms are not just the prayers of me, or the individual who's praying them, and they're not just the prayers of Jesus; they're the prayers of the church. Um, yeah. And so I can pray a prayer that doesn't apply to my station, because it applies to brothers and sisters somewhere. And so I can pray for them on their behalf, and and that's a weird thing to consider, especially kind of as a Western evangelical, where we think where we're clouded by a Western perspective of being very individualistic, um, where how could I pray for someone else when I don't know their story? I, I, I'm not experiencing it. But within the scriptures, the New Testament, I mean, almost the most important thing, if not the most important thing to Paul, is that as Christians, we're united to Christ and we're united to one another. And we're, and it's not just like we're united in that, Hey, we're buds, but we're united in this deep spiritual and familial way. So that when my brothers and sisters in Beirut, for instance, are Mm. suffering, I can pray not only for them in a sense that I I can't, I don't have to just pray like God be with my brothers and sisters in Beirut, but I can pray on their behalf. Um, One of the things that, that we see so much in the foster system as foster parents is that children in foster care are given advocates. Um, and, and and that ranges in roles, right? Like they're assigned a lawyer to advocate for them. Uh, they're often assigned a, a CASA advocate, which is just a volunteer who participates in the court hearing to advocate for them. Why? Because children can't speak for themselves and, and children who are experiencing trauma and suffering and disorientation can't speak for themselves. And sometimes as Christians, our brothers and sisters are suffering to a degree that they can't pray for themselves. Right? They don't know how. They don't have the power. But the Psalms empower us to pray for them. Hmm. Like on their behalf. Like, read if you were depressed... I could pray a psalm about me being depressed on your behalf because if my brother's depressed, there's a way in which I am also. Yeah, And that's a point that, that Bonhoeffer makes that just kind of blows my mind. It gives this whole new intimacy to what it means to belong to Christ's body and to his church. Um, and it makes this discipline of praying through the psalms not just feel like something I need to check off my to-do list or uh, something I'm going to do because a Christian leader told me it was good for me, but it makes it this intimate exercise in belonging to God's kingdom Um, that, that frankly, even in the last, what Psalm are we on today? 58 or something in in the last 58 Psalms, I haven't lived into, Um, but I hope to in the next 142 it, to really experience this idea of praying on behalf of Christians and thinking, who might this apply to? Um, yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's I, I was going to say and mention kind of the way I've been tackling this is before I can pray a psalm, I have to read it. So my, my kind of discipline has been I read the psalm, and then when I'm thinking about it, my last question I kind of answer is, did I pray it or did I read it? Um, mm. And I've always just read it. So then I pray it. And now when you were just speaking, I was thinking, I think out of 58, I've prayed 58 about myself. Like I've applied all 58 to me. That's not a bad thing, No. but it's very individualistic. (laughs) Um, And now I want to add a question of, okay, did you read it or did you pray it? Okay, go back and pray it. And then after I pray it, did you pray it for yourself or did you pray it for your brothers and sisters in Christ? Um, And then go back and pray it for them too. Um, specifically or generally. Yeah. Um, and,
0: and I think there's another question that Bonhoeffer would want us to add to that list, ooh. which I think those questions are great. Um, but I think he would say the most important question is, did I pray it with Christ? Yeah. Um, wow. Like, did I hear Christ's voice in that? Um,
1: which means I need to read it four yeah.
0: times. And, and one of the things in the book that, that he does, um, for those listening, is it's not just a, a theoretical or theological exercise. He breaks the Psalms into categories. And, and so he breaks them into the categories of creation, the law, the history of God's people, the Messiah or the future king, the church, our current lives, suffering, guilt— our enemies, and the end times. And these are themes that we see throughout the Psalms. And he speaks to each one individually, and he talks about, about broadly how, how they're revealed in the Psalms and how they apply to Christ, and therefore how they apply to us. And, and that's kind of the logic he uses, is, is they only apply to us in as much as they apply to Christ, and one of the topics to give an example that I found really interesting was this idea of guilt, right? There's these Psalms of repentance, like we just read last week, Psalm 51, um, where David is repenting for sleeping with another man's wife and then having him killed. Um, and, big sins. And, and yet that's also a prayer of Christ. And, and what we know is that Christ didn't sleep with another man's wife and have him killed. And and so he addresses this issue of, okay, how can these prayers of repentance and admitting guilt to sin be the prayers of Christ? And and he says, well, our only hope is that they are, in that he he took on the sin of David, and he took on my sin, and he took on the sin of the people in the wilderness who were rebellious and disobedient. And he prayed their repentance on their behalf and bore their suffering on their behalf so that they can be united to him and so that they can pray those things with hope. Because what we won't find is any prayer of repentance or guilt in the Psalms that doesn't have this hope and expectation of forgiveness. And that's only possible because of the, the work of Christ, even though at the time of the Psalms being written, that was in the future. And so, are we praying the Psalms with Christ? I I know I haven't been. Right. Sometimes I've been kind of nerding out, like pointing out, ooh, that really reminds me of this moment in Jesus' life, or that's a really beautiful way in which Jesus fulfills this. But I haven't just thought about His voice praying them, and when He would be praying them. And, And not only when He prayed them in His life, but that he's praying them with me right now by his spirit. And that's the only way in which my prayer has any power, is that he's joining me in it. And what a grace of God that he not only hears our prayers, but he prays with us so that he will listen well to them.
1: Hmm. Yeah, super practical um, and beyond practical learning to pray in a way that shapes your identity reminds you who you are uh, a son or a daughter of God uh, reminds us who we are the church the beloved bride of Christ reminds us who he is and what he's done I mean it's a posture shifting um, practice so so sojourn this is our charge um, no we're not requiring you now from now on out to read every psalm four times in different ways but we um, but join us in thinking through these questions when you read uh, the Psalms with us through praying through them in this way, um, individually, corporately, um, and with Christ in mind. Uh,
0: yeah. can, can I close this with something? That'd be great. Um, let's see. The disciples came to Jesus, and they said... I hope that I will come to the psalm that we're praying through tomorrow morning with the posture of saying, Lord, teach me to pray. And that He would, and that I would do that every day for the rest of my life. And that by my dying breath, I would know something about how to pray.
1: Amen. Yeah. Well, th- make it thanks true, for though. hosting, Reed. Yeah. Thank you for this, Cole. This was super helpful. Um, pick up the book. Uh, It's hot off the press right now. (laughs) Psalms by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Pick it up this week um, and join us as we continue to walk through the Psalms. Thanks, Cole.